0: This message was presented at the GYC 2014 Conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org Turn me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. There's still a few in the... the front here. This is some chairs over here. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. This is the last presentation of healing rain, the latter rain for the soul. And there is a handout. So I hope everyone um, has a handout. It's called Hiding from Intimacy. Hiding from Intimacy. Genesis chapter 3 verse 8. You know, we are called to mingle with others, to become friends with them before we follow, get them to follow Jesus. What do you say, Amen? amen. Win their hearts first, right? We told inspiration. Win their confidence, then ask them to follow Jesus. Now, I believe in evangelism. Evangelism is, is special to me because. When I first began pastoring, there was a, a church that I was assigned to, and we had evangelistic meetings there, a tent meeting. We put up the old-fashioned tent meetings, you know? And we had uh, evangelists come, and Iona was there, which was Peter Gregory, and he did a first tent meeting for us. And he had a school there where we were working together as a pastor. And while we are there, um, we were able to... Bring a lot of people from the community in. And there was a baptism at the end. And one of the people that ended up being baptized during the evangelistic series was the first series that um, I did, was actually my future wife, <laughs> <laughs> which is Yvette right there, who just took the picture, by the way. <laughs> so you can see that not only do I love evangelism, but I love evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> and those of you who don't have a uh, significant other at this time, just know that if they're not in a church, guess what? God has a thousand ways to bring them in. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and he can do mighty things. So I love evangelism. And so I've had many Bible workers and porter programs and everything. But I want to share a principle here that goes into another avenue of evangelism that maybe is not talked about so much. And it's called hiding from intimacy. I realize that to my experiences that many times... People don't so much need classes on how to make intimate friends because you've got to make really good friends with them. You've got to win their confidence, right? Migrant men is one who desires the good, right? And then you've got to win their confidence, their trust, and win their friendship first. And then you ask them, bait them to follow Jesus, right? Let's not miss the first steps that God has given us, right, to the spirit of prophecy, right? Amen? If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? That's not this jump and boom, right, to evangelism. You need to make friendships first, Right? But I realized that as I trained the Bible workers through the years, I realized people don't need so much classes on how to make intimate friends many times, as they maybe need to be healed from their past wounds so that they will want to have intimate friends. What do you say, amen? amen. It may be new to some of you, new way to look at things. There's a trend of old people who are dying all alone. One older person in one of our towns where I pastored was dead for a whole week before he was found. <laughs> dying alone. Sadly, the reason why many people are living and dying alone is because they are afraid of intimacy. And the reason why they're afraid of intimacy is because what has happened to them in the past. I did a meetings. I think it was last year, not this GYC Southwest, the, the other one before, and after one of my meetings on healing, a woman came up to me and she shared with me her story about her mom who was an angry woman. She shared that her mom had chased all of her children away from her because of her meanness and I come to the point where they did not want nothing to do with her anymore. This woman had told me that after listening to my presentation, she realized that her mom was very bitter at her because of her past. She didn't share with me the story when her mom was a child and how her mom had lost her, mom had lost her mother in a car accident. She told me how she, her mom was in a car accident and she was uh, unconscious and then she woke up out of, the, uh, out of um, being knocked out. And she woke up and she looked and right next to her was her dead mother. Very tragic, right? Anyway, it didn't end there for her, and then she went on to tell me the story, she related to me how she's, um, when she had her daughter, and there was actually shooting at the, shooting a gun in the, in the property, and her daughter accidentally got shot, and her own daughter also died. See, it was right after this that she realized her mom had become bitter at God and bitter at life. She told me that she realizes that her mom is still living in the past and that is affecting her present intimacy with her children. And then she asked me how she could help her mom to experience healing, being that her mom was ninety years old. You see, you can be ninety years old. And still be living as if your mind was still 10 years old. Physically 90 years old. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually 10 years old. And beloved, there are many people out there who are hiding from intimacy because of the past and who are longing to be set free. So as we take a look at how people hide from intimacy, may God heal our hearts so that we may embrace intimacy with one another. Let us pray. Father, help us to understand the message of intimacy this morning. It is our prayer in Jesus' name? Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 is the opening text. What did Adam and do when God was looking for them? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Notice the Bible says And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife, what does it say? hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. So here you have Adam and Eve hiding from the presence of God when God came looking for them to want to spend time with them. You see, before this time, Adam and Eve would always become excited when they knew that the Father, God the Father was looking for them in the garden. Jesus was looking in the garden for them because they knew that this would be a chance where they actually could spend time with God. But not this time. Where once there was deep intimacy with one and another, this time they hid themselves from intimacy with God. And beloved, in the same way today, there are many people today who are hiding themselves from intimacy with God. You know, a young woman shared me in one of my churches. And we were talking and she said to me, Pastor, you know, I'm such a private person that not only do I not open up to my husband but I don't even open up myself to God why did adam hide himself from god's presence genesis chapter 3 verse 10 knows the bible says in genesis chapter 3 verse 10 the bible says and he said i heard thy voice in the garden and i was what afraid, afraid the bible says Because I was naked and I hid myself. The reason why Adam hid himself from intimacy with God was because he was afraid. Yes, afraid of being naked. That's part of the truth. But he was also afraid of getting hurt. True, right? Discipline from God maybe, right? Afraid of getting hurt. And the same way, the reason why many of us hide ourselves from being intimate with others is because we also are afraid of being hurt also. You see, many of us have been hurt so many times in the past that we don't want to be hurt again. So what we do is, we put up walls, we call them, all around us. So we can, like Adam and Eve, we can also hide ourselves from intimacy with one another. But the problem is that when we do this, we always lose intimacy with one another. And what we build up to protect us, guess what, only ends up hurting us in the end. So look at your handouts that you have. So here we have the layout. If you're hurt, what you do is that you tend to isolate yourself from others, and you hide from others, or you build up walls all around you from others. And because you do that, it just makes sense. You build up walls from other people. There is a loss of intimacy. If that's clear, let me say Amen? Amen. And the more you've been hurt, and the more you've been hurt in life and things happen to you, bad and negative things and you've been wounded and you've gone through hardships and suffering and pain and a hard life, your walls get bigger and larger. And then guess what? There's more and more of a loss of intimacy between one and another. You know, people in the away to the country, to isolate themselves from everyone else. They go to the monastery. They go living off the grid right away from everyone else. But you can be more emotionally isolated living in the city than you can be emotionally isolated living off the grid. You can be more isolated emotionally from people and connected with people surrounded by thousands of people here at GYC, then you can be living out there in the country. Turn to John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Let's see what the Bible says. When did this woman come out to get water? The woman at the well. John chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Know what the Bible says? I heard the answers. <laughs> the Bible says, Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about the what? Six hour. You know that the hour started at six, so it was at twelve noon. There coming a woman of Samaria to draw water. Now this woman came out at twelve noon. Now why would a woman come out in the middle of the desert at high noon when it was scorching hot? She was hiding. She was afraid of the what? Gossa. Right? She was hiding and afraid of gossip because, she, you know, and if later on in the story, right, of what her love life was like, right? She knew that the women were talking about her. She didn't want to go early in the morning. She didn't want to go later in the afternoon when it was cooler, when they draw the water. She isolated herself. She was hiding. She was building up walls all around her so to protect herself from being hurt again. Her heart had been wounded so many times. And she had isolated herself. She wanted to run away. And so she went at noon hoping that no one would be there. And guess what? No one was there except one person. This woman had been wounded by so many people's hurtful words. She didn't want to be hurt anymore. But how did this woman try to fill her hunger for intimacy? John chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. Note what it says here. Jesus tells us how she was looking for intimacy. Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not your husband, and that says thou truly. So here you have This woman sought intimacy through what? Relationships. But it never worked out. And she never got the intimacy she was looking for. And today, in the same way, many people try to fill up their lives with things that promise intimacy, but which never deliver. You see, this woman probably thought that she could experience intimacy through sex. But sex is not intimacy. You see, you can have sex and not be intimate for the definition of intimacy is into me see right into me see in other words look into me into me my innermost thoughts and feelings and character is made out of what thoughts and feelings the spirit of prophecy says right Thus, in order for the intimacy of sex to become really beautiful, both partners must first share their innermost thoughts and feelings with each other. In other words, they must become transparent with one another. We believe that, let me say amen. Amen? Amen. Those who are here yesterday, I talked about transparency. Be transparent and real with one another. In other words, the mask must come off. Living a lie must go away. I had someone come up to me and I after my presentation of taking off the mask and say, you know what, I really appreciate all your messages, but that the message is about being transparent. I don't know about that. You know, we're all fake. Everyone's fake. We all fake it. Everyone's not real. (laughs) We're all fake. We fake to each other. We fake to our parents. We fake to our children. I fake it to my wife. And you want us to be transparent? And I thought about that. And I said, just because everyone else is doing it, doesn't make that okay. Does it? Am I the only one here in GYC who wants transparency? I just want to know for my own sake. Am I the only one? I want to know. Okay, I am really diverging from my sermon, okay? But I want to know for my own sake. Is there anyone here? I want to see your hands. Who really wants to be real and transparent? I want to see your hands. Okay, good. I feel better. I'm not alone. Not that I need your approval. You know that, right? <laughs> not that you're pressuring me either, like I talked about yesterday. But this woman was looking for intimacy, to be transparent. Now, what happened next in John chapter 4, verse 20? When this woman realized that the conversation was getting too deep, what did she then do? Notice what happened next. The Bible says, Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So, here we have Jesus. He hid her right in the heart. He he hid her where she was running to for seeking for approval from men. She was hitting where her addictions were. She was addicted to relationships. He was hitting the heart issues. If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. 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 He wasn't hitting the theological issues. He wasn't hitting the doctrinal issues with her. He was hitting the heart issues for healing. That's what he wanted for her. He wanted healing for her. My, I believe the greatest need of our church today. He wanted healing for her. But what did she do in verse 20? What did she do when he is talking about practical issues? She ran to what? Theological debate or doctrinal issues. Are you following me, church? You see, when the truth is heart searching, it becomes painful. And that is often the people who have unhealed emotional wounds that tend to choose doctrinal subjects so that they don't have to deal with their past emotional hurts. Mm-hmm. You think, where in the world did I get that? I got it from the Bible. Amen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but by the mouth of two witnesses shall every word be established. Amen? Amen. This is one witness, right? And we got the spirit of prophecy is the second witness. What do you say? Amen? So look down at your handouts as the second witness. Listen to this quotation. There need to be far more lessons in the ministry of the word of true conversion. Heart experiences here, okay? True conversion, then, of the arguments of the what? Doctrines. In other words, we need to hear more sermons upon true heart religion, conversion, heart religion, conversions, Healing messages than of the doctrines, arguing the truth and proof texting the doctrines. Why? Interesting, she tells the reason why. I gotta know why. I always gotta know why. She says, For it is far easier for the natural, and more natural for the heart that is not under the control of the Spirit of Christ, or the unconverted person. It's far easier for the unconverted heart to choose doctrinal subjects rather than the practical. See, the unconverted person wants to study about the 2,300 days and not be converted. The unconverted person, and I'm not turning on his doctrine, but I'm, I'm totally present to believe me. But you gotta believe me, okay? <laughs> you gotta listen to my sermons, okay? And every single sermon I preach, I preach, I brought up prophecy in every six of these seminars. Yeah, Bible prophecy. And I'm going to bring it on again today. Man. Okay, not that I need to prove that to you either, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but i talk about balance here. Far easier to choose doctrinal subjects rather than the practical. Then she said, There are many Christless discourses given, no more acceptable to God than was the offering of Cain. They are not in harmony with God. That's a powerful quotation, isn't it? changed my life when I read that. I hope it changes yours, as it changed mine. I was where a lot of you maybe are at right now. Chainsaw, religion. <laughs> Just let it cut, let the pieces fall where it may. But there's a better way, what do you say? Amen? Yeah. You see, the people who like to fight over doctrines or push their beliefs onto others at church are the very ones with the most unhealed emotional wounds. And thus they would rather have an intellectual religion like the woman at the well than a practical one. Do you know anyone like that? Maybe seen that person in, in the mirror? A time or two? Now when this woman heard Jesus, she wanted to trust him. But before she could trust him, he first had to prove himself to her by believing exactly how she believed. That's why she brought up this theological dispute. For if he did believe it, then she would trust him. And thus she set out to test him in what he believed. And the same way, there are many people out there who do the same thing. For just like the woman at the well, people use religion or theology as a means to isolate themselves from others. Where am I going with this? They use religion as a way that I believe a certain way So that protects me from other people. And unless they believe exactly as I believe, then I know that I can then trust them with my heart. These people have extreme beliefs, have usually been dealt with very harshly. That's the reason why. They have been controlled. They have been manipulated. They have been badly hurt by their parents, by life circumstances, or by others in their life. And they have learned that they cannot trust anyone to care for their heart. So these wounds that they received have led them to harden their hearts toward other people. Not only that, but they seek to keep all of their relationships upon their own terms. In other words, I only open up to you if you believe exactly how I believe. That's how they determine if someone is safe or not. Do you know anyone like that? In the churches? Present truth? There's a member in my church. And this member... Believed in every single type of new light there was out there. How many heard of Shepherd's Rod? Branch Davidians is a branch out of Shepherd's Rod. How many heard of Branch Davidians? David Koresh, okay? So Shepherd's Rod, they brought the Shepherd's Rod General Conference President, but really, they say Vice President, but really the President, and so they brought them down. They brought a, the general conference evangelists to our church. They did meetings in the home, tried to win everyone out. Not only that she believed that, she believed in the new light of feast days. She continued to believe in a new light of sacred name. And then she believed in the new light of lunar sabbaths. And so she had all these different things. And then I realized that she was really hiding from intimacy. And she's using these doctrinal beliefs as barriers, as ways that, to determine who was safe for, for, to trust people with her heart because she had been hurt so many times. When I got there, she had, was already married and she got into a divorce with her husband. And then while I was there, actually, she got together with someone from the church, and they got married. And then, like the woman at the well, she got a divorce also while I was still there, looking for intimacy. And then she got more into extreme beliefs and more extreme beliefs and no longer felt that she could worship with us anymore. She believed that she would only trust you if you would just believe as exactly as she believed, if she did believe as she believed, then you know they could hang out together, go to the house and you know be unwind and open up. But if you didn't believe, then you couldn't be part of the group. And it doesn't matter if it's liberal, conservative. The same thing can still happen to us in our church. If you believe that let me say amen. Amen? You see, this belief system brings an ideal breeding ground for religion without relationships. But you look at the Ten Commandments. The first four deal with our relationship with God. The last six deal with our relationship with one another. And so now you have a religion without any relationships. And even worse, this, type of, this system brings God's, uses God's authority to justify the behavior because they are right and you are wrong. Or maybe you're right and we're all wrong, right? And thus they end up believing a lie just so that they can continue to protect themselves from getting hurt. And because they believe that they have the truth, the intellectual truth, they then feel no need for intimacy truth. Now the root cause of having these extreme beliefs is fear. The fear of being vulnerable. But the problem is vulnerability is the main ingredient in having a quality relationship. I know that the only thing that snaps these people out of isolation religion is when the children leave the church and go astray. I warned her. I said to her, look, if you do not make any changes, I'm telling you, you're going to lose your children. Unfortunately, that prophecy came through about three years ago. Her daughter left the home who under her roof was extremely spiritual looking. Highest standards you could think. Beloved, external standards is not a true sign, a true practical Christianity. Believe that let me say Amen. Amen? You see, sometimes we need to question our beliefs by the fruits that we produce. In other words, if what we believe is not working in our personal relationships with those around us, then we need to rethink whether what we believe is true or not. We also need to constantly ask ourselves whether our religious beliefs are being used to hide ourselves from intimacy. God wants to teach us many lessons. It's because of these stated truths that there are so many extremely lonely people within our churches today who don't have any intimate friends there was an extremely abusive person in a church. This abusive person kept rebuking and putting down an elder in this church. This elder who kept being rebuked unfortunately eventually committed suicide. Two years later, the abusive person in the church who abused the elder Two years later, this abusive person's own daughter also committed suicide. <clears throat> and after his daughter killed herself, herself, his son then left the home and now doesn't want anything to do with his dad. Maybe he realized what he did. Maybe he didn't. But what a tragic way to realize he made a mistake. How does Jesus initially deal with this woman running away from her pain? John 4 verse 21. Notice the Bible says. Excuse me. John chapter 4 verse 21. Notice the Bible says. Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. I want you to notice that Jesus didn't get caught up in a theological dispute. In fact, at first he didn't take sides, but instead he took another route by saying that there would come a time where we wouldn't worship in this mountain or we wouldn't worship in Jerusalem. And the same way, when we're being distracted by these people to enter into a theological dispute, we should instead avoid it and then bring it back to the real issue and that they have been hurt and they have been wounded and they are now themselves hurting and wounding others. For the abuse always becomes the abusers if they have not experienced healing. And they need to stop, or else they will end up getting a divorce. They need to stop or else they will continue to have no friends. They need to stop or else the children will not want nothing else to do with them. They need to stop or else they will end up dying alone. There's a woman, another woman in one of my churches. I don't know, you're probably thinking how I get all these crazy stories this whole last six times. <laughs> I don't know why God allowed me to have these experiences. I don't know why. But I know it's, it's for, my, for my heart to teach me. And maybe for somebody who needs to hear this. There's a woman who also believed new light in our church. <clears throat> she claimed to have visions from God. And God also called her to give a special message to our church. Now you think, well, you know, they all claim to have visions. But let me share you something that seemed a little strange. I was, um, you know, I share with you that I've been ill for the last 15 months, right, A medical disability. I've been out. Well, I was giving a seminar in the afternoon in my classes, about a year and a half, about 15 months ago, I was giving a seminar in my, in my church in the afternoon, and I, after I finished the seminar, I was talking to people, everyone was happy, excited, and um, I think it was this presentation, actually, and after I finished, this, this lady who said she has visions, she came up to me and totally threw me off, and she said to me, Pastor, I had a vision of you. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> okay, I was so tired from just talking to people, I did sermon in the morning and three presentations in the afternoon, I was just tired, counseling, talking. And usually i say, okay, tell me, but I was so tired, like, I said, okay, <laughs> kind of like I didn't want to hear it, I just was too tired, and I didn't want to know what she was going to say, and I just looked at her and said, okay, and we kind of nod my head for maybe the next minute or so. <laughs> And said, Pastor, I had a vision of you, persistent. And so finally I gave in and I said, what do you see? Pastor, I saw that there was a knife and it came to your throat and it slipped your throat wide open. This was about a couple of weeks before I actually got sick and ill for the last 15 months. And I, I, was, I was kind of shaken. Um, I mean, I was caught of guard. Because everyone's happy. Everyone's on fire for the Lord. Healed. <laughs> <laughs> and she threw me for a loop, okay? I'm like, I was caught of guard. I was seriously a pirate. I'd never been caught of guard in my ministry. I was caught of guard. And she said, but, Pastor, here's the news. If you continue to speak the truth, you'll be okay. Apparently she found out that I had gotten ill after her message from the Lord, so she says. And she has been trying to contact me, apparently with maybe another message, but I have been answering that message. (laughs) (laughs) So she has a special new light. But here's the problem. The problem is that I had to go in between her husband and her because they were always fighting with one another. She's criticizing him and condemning him for all the wrong things that he does and they're always fighting. And I thought to myself, this is not the true example of what a real Christian is really all about. She believes in new light and eating only raw food. And her only son, who is now 10 years old, is so traumatized by what is going on that he doesn't even speak anymore. You got to look at what is happening all around you. Look at Revelation 13, verse 11. Revelation 13, verse 11 in your Bible. Revelation 13, verse 11. This is prophecy, okay? How does, everything, how does everyone see the second beast of Revelation 13 to be? The Bible says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a what? A he spoke as a dragon, but he looked like a what? A like a lamb. He looked like a lamb. You see, people think that this dragon is a lamb. And the whole lives they have led to believe that this beast is gentle and Christian as a lamb. And the reason why they believe this is because this beast has presented itself as such. The United States of America in prophecy. Now, the reason why many people don't see this lamb-like beast as being a dragon is because this lamb-like beast doesn't want anyone to know who it really is. In other words, this beast doesn't believe in transparency. And the reason why it doesn't believe in transparency is because it doesn't want everyone to know that it really has the heart of a dragon. This is why this nation believes in secrecy and not in transparency. And this is why it would do everything possible to stop any type of leak as to who it really is. Now we know this nation doesn't want to be transparent. It still wants every citizen in this country to be transparent. And how they get that to be transparent is through spying and keeping records on you, rather than allowing you the freedom to choose to be transparent. True? And thus the hiding of one's own secrets and the forcing of another to give their information is really, it's a false intimacy. And this false intimacy is really the spirit of the image of the beast. Now what is a nation made up of? People, is it not? So what he's really talking about here is that this nation, this prophet, is really revealing how you and I would be like in the last days in our relationships with one another. For we too in America are prophesied to have a false intimacy where we don't like to open up ourselves to others and be real. While at the same time we want to hear the latest scoop and gossip of what others are doing. We hide from intimacy from our husbands, our wives and our children, our parents, our friends, our fellow church members. We are not transparent and we are not vulnerable. And those who continue down this road of false intimacy will one day join the ranks of the mark of the beast in pretending to be something it is not, and also in forcing people to share their personal information so you can get them to do what you want them to do. There are many people in the church who have told me that I am their only friend. They told me, Pastor, you're my only friend. But when I think of my friendship I have with them, I realize that it is extremely shallow. I realize this is a false intimacy because in order for intimacy intimacy to be intimacy, it must be from two sides, right? And so they feel close to me because I share and open my sermons to them, but they don't open up themselves to me. I realize church members don't hardly know each other. What's the solution? Romans chapter 5 verse 8. The Bible says, While we were yet what? Sinners God what? Died for me. God shows love and freedom to me, even though when I fail, make countless mistakes, and worst of all, misrepresent Him, in spite of all this, He never loses His love towards me. Amen? I can be who I am and not be fake, because I can be who I am, and guess what? God will still love me. What do you say? Amen? God loves and sets me wherever I may be at. I don't have to change my beliefs, my convictions, or my behavior before God will love me. And when I see this love, that love would then awaken with me within me a love for God. And now I will love God. And then I will love my brothers and sisters as God loves me. I realize that God's love is the only thing that we really need. The book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you believe that let me say amen. 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 In other words, revelation is the revealing. Or transparency of God's, of who? Christ. Jesus Christ. Of God's innermost thoughts and feelings. What do you say? Amen? That's how we should look at Revelation. And this transparency is true intimacy. And intimacy that God wants you and I to have with Him. You know, beloved, we know in the end that there will be 144,000 who will have no guile or what? Deception in their what? In other words, they will not be pretending to be something they are not. You believe that? Let me hear you say amen. amen. Amen? Instead, there will be a generation who will finally be completely transparent and vulnerable as who they really are. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you? What do you say? Amen? amen. How many of you want that? If you want that, let me see your hands. Amen? amen? Then let's look at the cross and see that God loves you just for you. You don't have to change. He still loves you. And when you do that, you give your whole heart and you become obedient to all of his commandments. And then you reflect his character in a perfect and beautiful way. Our Father, thank you for Jesus. May we see the love revealed on the cross. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. This message was recorded at the GYC 2014 Conference at the Cross in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.